You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. You know, with Easter Sunday, one of the things I always like to do, not just for Easter, but for a lot of things, is I like to ask the question, why? Um, any parents in the house, any parents that have little kids that when they were little, maybe they asked the question why, they would get into a routine of you would ask them to do something and they would say, why? Or you would tell them something and, and uh, they would say, why? And it got into this vicious cycle. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And uh, you, <laughs> it can be frustrating. But honestly, that's not a bad thing is to ask the question, why? Why is Easter such a big deal? Why do we celebrate Jesus? What is the resurrection all about? Why was Jesus raised from the dead? I think if we're not careful, we can just, get, can, we can just fall into this trap of thinking, well, Jesus came to this earth, um, he, he died on a cross, and he was brought back to life so that someday I can go to heaven. Like someday I can just get a passport to heaven, and I'll, I can at least, you know, after I die, I know where I'm going. Someday I'll make it to heaven. But the truth is, is this, as we look at God's word, Easter is not about a someday thing. It's not just an event that happened in the past or someday I'll, I'll get to go to heaven. Easter and the resurrection of Jesus is God saying, I want to get heaven into you today. Easter is a today thing. It's not an event that happened 2,000 years ago. It's not a passport for heaven someday on my deathbed. Easter is a today thing. And all the things that come, come with salvation that come with the resurrection of Jesus is his kingdom, heaven, being made known on the inside of us through the power of his Holy Spirit. It's us experiencing, not walking with no problems, and uh, I'm just, you know, I'm uh, walking in this uh, fairy tale land or in denial of how bad my life is or the crisis that I'm facing. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am talking about, though you may walk through crisis, though you may walk through distress, though you may walk through stressful situations, though you may lose your job or, or be addicted or whatever it might be, though your marriage may be on the brink of divorce, in all of it, when we receive from Jesus wholeheartedly, what we know is that we can walk with a peace and a knowing that we can have victory on the other side of this, that I have answers and insight to how I can get through this crisis I'm facing and find victory on the other side. We have a promise and we have a hope. That's what Easter is all about. But here's the truth of it. Easter is not just something that we just pass out for, for, uh, or the benefits of it. There's something that must be addressed first. One of the things we have to understand is we have to understand how serious sin is in our world. You see, I think many times in the modern world, at least in the American church, we are very comfortable. We get, we've, we've, uh, we've, I could say this way, we've gotten soft Okay, we've become okay with things that are not okay in God's word. And many times we settle for a little bit of sin. What is sin? Sin is the, uh, the opposite or disobedience to God's word. And hear me out here. Why must we talk about sin? Because sin is what put Jesus on the cross. If we were good, if we were fine, if I could make it to heaven and be a part of God's family in my own works, Jesus would never have to die. But here's why we must talk about sin, is if we don't understand the seriousness of sin, then we'll never experience or appreciate the freedom of salvation. 
Let me say that again. If we don't understand the seriousness of sin, we'll never experience or appreciate the freedom of salvation. Have you ever gone through a time, a tough time financially, where you were strapped and your budget was maxed out and on paper it didn't make sense? And so you would go to the gas pump and you would fill up and you would get a quarter of a tank of gas right? Maybe that's you today with the gas prices. I don't know. But that's just, you know, in a perfect world where gas is cheap and all that good stuff, right? Um, you would go and you get a quarter tank of gas or you get a half tank and you're just like, okay, this can get me till my next paycheck or till I get that cash or whatever it might be. You ever been there before? Anybody? I, my hand's up. I, we've been there before. Have you ever been though in a season after that where you could fill up your gas tank all the way? Where you could buy the groceries that you wanted? Where you could, if you wanted, you didn't have to shop at Aldi's, but you could shop at Walmart, somebody, right? And get my groceries at Walmart. I can pay a little more. Have you been in that season after the first season? How much more did you appreciate the full tank of gas when you knew that just years ago I could barely afford a quarter tank? You see, until we understand the seriousness of sin, we can never appreciate the goodness of God. And that is a simple example of what we want to talk about today. In fact, if you're taking notes, here's, the, here's point number one. Let me hop into it. Sin is work. Sin is work. Okay, I got started uh, teaching kids, uh, kids ministry. And so if it's your first time here today, let me just say you're welcome. Okay, I keep my messages very simple and practical, but you can do something with it. That's my prayer today. And the first one is this. Sin, sin is work. Let me read a verse for you. It's found in Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 20. And this is Paul. He's, he's, he's writing to this group of believers. He says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do what is right. And what was the result? You were now ashamed of the things you used to do, Things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves or servants of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. And here's the key verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. How interesting this verbiage is. The wages of sin is death. Before we dive into that though, let me just say this. Sin is fun for a season. In fact, I was, my pastor growing up, he would say it like this, um, if you don't think that sin is fun, at least for a time, then you're probably doing it wrong, okay? <laughs> if you don't think that sin is fun, at least for a little while, you're probably doing it wrong. Sin is fun for a season. In fact, one theologian said it this way in some of the commentary in my Bible, he said, it's been said that sin is first pleasing, and then it's easy, and then it's frequent, and then it's habitual, the person who follows this path then becomes a confirmed sinner. They're then stubborn to change, then resolved never to repent, and then caught in a life of defeat and destruction. You see, whether you know it or not, we have a spiritual enemy. His name's the devil. Uh, let me, I don't, don't want to be a downer because I'm going to finish with some good news at the end of this message, but hear me out. The devil hates your guts. He hates your spouse. He hates your marriage, and he hates your kids, and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy all the good things in your life. Okay, you guys feeling okay? <laughs> Bear with me. There's some good news at the end of this. Our spiritual enemy knows that he has to bait and switch, what I call a swoop and swap, okay? He's got to get you, entice you, and, and trick you into sinning. So what does he do? He makes sin fun for a season. What was the first thing? Sin was first pleasing, and then it was easy. But where does it always end? Defeat, destruction, and death. 
Physical death, not always, sometimes not always, the worst kind of death, which is spiritual death. Spiritual death is separation from a loving heavenly father. And let me say this, many people as they hear this, they, they hear us talk about sin, they think of a heavenly father through the lens of an earthly dad. Many people have been running from God. You've been running from God because you think your heavenly father is chasing after you with some whooping stick to beat you down, to hate you, to give you some sickness, to teach you a lesson, or to hurt you in some way to show you or teach you a lesson. Can I tell you that's not the love of the heavenly father. Your loving heavenly father is chasing after you, and I'm going to get to this in just a second, with goodness, with mercy, and with grace if you'll receive it. But so many times we are running from God because God has been misrepresented to us by a human. Let me say that again. Many times we run from God because God has been misrepresented to us by a human. There's a lot of great pastors out there. There's a lot of great churches out there. But can I tell you, sometimes we don't always get it right. Some human will let you down even if they have pastor before their first name. Your hope is not in a pastor. You must put your hope in Jesus. He'll never let you down. Humans will let you down. Don't run from a heavenly father who has been misrepresented to you. Can I tell you, the wages of sin is death, not because God wishes death or destruction on you, but because we have an an evil enemy who is after us. It refers to sin as the, the wages of sin is death. What is wages? It's payment for work done. So think of it this way. Sin is a battle against godliness. It brings dominance by satanic overlord. We, we know that slavery is bad, right? We know that, that that's not a good thing, especially in 2022. But sin is a slave-driving taskmaster that demands total commitment and ultimately will hand you death as a paycheck. You ever worked a job that you really didn't like and then the pay wasn't good either? Remember how mad you were? Remember how you would get off work and you would be so discouraged, Right? Well, it's even worse with sin because it's a job that may seem nice at first, but then it it turns into something that's super annoying. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, it leads to destruction. And you get your paycheck in two weeks. And guess what? It's destruction and death and disappointment. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. One theologian said it this way. Every sinner earns their pay of death by long, sore, and painful service. He says, oh, what pains men take and live with just to go to hell. Meaning this, it's unnecessary. So many times we embrace a little bit of sin thinking it's not that big of a deal. It's pleasing, it's easy, it's comfortable, all the while it is steering us down a path that eventually will lead to destruction. And our Heavenly Father is saying, that's not what I have for you. I have more for you. I have freedom for you. I have good things for you. I have healing for your marriage. I have hope for you. I can heal that broken heart that you have. But when you work for sin, the wages eventually, if not immediately, will be death. But here's the good news. When you serve God, your free reward is eternal life, and you get the best benefits package imaginable. You ever worked a good job, or maybe someday you hope to work a good job that has a good benefits package, right? You hope to work a job that's got great health care coverage, that's got um, great dental coverage, right? So you can get your teeth taken care of, that's got uh, a company vehicle for you, a company credit card to put gas in that vehicle. How good does that feel? So many times, I think many times we follow Jesus, or maybe we're, we, we call ourselves a Christian, but we don't know that the be- there are benefits that come with 
following Jesus. It's not just a passport to heaven someday, but it truly is heaven in us today. And so this is point number two. Salvation is freedom. Sin is work. We know that. Sin will lead to death. The wages of it will lead to death. However, salvation is freedom. And the benefits package that comes from salvation is summed up in that one word, freedom. Let me show you. Psalm 103, verses 2. This is the New King James Version. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. This is so crucial. Forget not all of his benefits because no matter if you're walking with Jesus today or maybe you've never walked with him at all or if you've drifted and done your own thing, we are quick to forget. We are quick to forget the goodness of God. We are quick to forget what God has done for my family, for my kids, in my life. We're quick to forget the seriousness of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. Forget not all of his, what, benefits. Let me, let me show you just a few verses. This whole, this whole chapter is amazing, but here's the first few. Who forgives all your iniquities, which is what? Your sins. Who heals all of your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I'll stop there, but it continues on. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good to me. I'll take, give me the list. I'll take all of that, right? Let us not settle for less than God's best for us. But it takes me being willing to ask him and to walk in faith to receive it. When we say yes to Jesus, we are invited to take part in his divine benefits, which is freedom. Freedom from many things. It's a few lists, right? He says the first thing is forgiveness of sins. What's sin? It's the, that, that thing that is the root of all the bad destruction in our life and in our world. That's why our world is so messed up. Why? Because of sin. Sin brings racism. Sin brings destruction. Sin brings division. Sin brings it all. But 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful. He's just to what? Forgive us of our sins. So even though I'm going to sin, I understand that. Even though I'm trying to live right, but I mess up, I don't run from God. I run to God knowing that he is the only place I can find forgiveness from sin. The second thing he says, he's going to heal your sickness. If you have pain in your body, he says, I want to give you freedom from that pain, freedom from that disease, freedom from that sickness. It's why over and over in scripture we see 1 Peter 2.24 is an example. By his stripes we were healed. It's past tense because Jesus took care of it when he took stripes on his back 2,000 years ago. We were healed. You have access to it. You have, it's, a, it's part of his ben, the benefits. It's actually one of his names, the Lord who heals you. The next one is this. He says, he redeems your life. Have you ever been in a season of life where you just wish you could hit the reset button? Maybe, maybe it's a, a day even. Man, I wish I could just start the day over. I wish I could just hit reset or restart uh, like on a video game. And let's, let's start this level over somebody. You know what I'm talking about? You've been there before? This is what he says. He redeems your life. Redeem is to rescue, to restore, or to buy back. I love that. Because though I may mess it up, though I may fail, though I may let other people down, I have a spiritual place that I can go where our Heavenly Father will say, I can redeem and restore your life like no one else can. Whether I'm battling an addiction, whether I'm on the brink of divorce, whether I just need some help, I don't know what to do. God can redeem your life. 
He can rescue you and he can give you wisdom. The next one, he says, he crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. I love this. Psalm 23 says it like this, that surely goodness and mercy and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life. A better translation of that, to follow me, in the original language, a better translation is to chase after me and to overtake me. Once again, too many people are running from God, thinking He's an angry God, and he, our God is a just God, and he's a holy God, yes. But they're running from God, thinking that he is going to punish them, give them that sickness, give them that harm, destroy their family to teach them some type of a lesson like an abusive father would, but that's not him. We just read in Isaiah 53, all of that wrath he put on his own son. So anytime I mess up, and this is what's called the mercy seat, I didn't talk about this in the first service, but somebody here needs to hear this. Every time I mess up, our just God, he is righteous. He balances the scales. He demands punishment for sin because he is holy. If he didn't, he would no longer be a holy God. And when I mess up, I have what's a a mediator. When God says, that is sin, Jesus stands up and he says, I know but I've already taken care of that. When I deserve today, in 2022, when I mess up and I deserve destruction, I deserve the penalty, I deserve the punishment, my Jesus is seated seated at the right hand of God saying, hold up, I got him. My blood takes care of that. How good is God? He wants to redeem, restore and crown you. And the thing is, I've been running from God, or you've been running from God, thinking he's just going to come down on you so hard. But if you would stop running today, biblically, his word tells us his goodness and his mercy will not just catch up with you, but it will overtake you. It will surround you, and it will heal you, and it will set you free. And I don't know about you, but that's good news. And all it takes is for me to say, I'm done running, God. I'm done running. Help me. He satisfies my mouth and he renews my youth. You ever ate just like the perfect meal, your favorite meal, your, your favorite restaurant, and you walk out and it's just so satisfying, right? One of the places Leslie and I like to go for a date night is Charleston's. And um, I went there for, we went there for a long time and I would get the chicken fried steak. And finally one uh, waitress told me, she goes, have you ever tried the chicken fried chicken? I'm like, I don't see that on here. And she says, well, it's an off menu item, but you can order it. And it changed my life, okay? All right, so um, they're not paying me to say that, all right? But it's that good, okay? Chicken fried chicken, Charleston's, it's amazing. But I walk out and you see how I'm, I'm excited about it and I want to share it with people because I want you to experience it as well. This is what he's saying. He will satisfy you in such a way that you don't have to chase a paycheck or a title at work to find your significance. You don't have to uh, chase followers on Instagram to feel better about yourself. You don't have to chase that lust, that thing that you just can't shake. You don't have to chase that to fulfill that need in you. You can be satisfied through Jesus. Whatever that thing is that draws you, that you chase after, he says, I will satisfy you in such a way that you've received. Now you can show and share with everyone else the goodness of God. And in doing so, what does he do? He renews my youth. I may be aging in years, this physical body may be aging in years, but my spirit can be rejuvenated, made brand new, refreshed today. 
I can have energy, spiritual energy from the inside out. That's what he's talking about. And it may seem like, well, I'm aging out. I'm almost retiring. God's done with me. No, he's not. He wants to renew your youth so he can continue to work in your life. I'm not, you're not too old to be used by God today. You're not too young to be used by God today or for God to work in your life or minister to you in your life. You're not. He wants to renew you, restore you. And that's exactly what Psalm 23 once again says. He restores and he refreshes my life. Sin is work, but man's salvation is freedom. It's got a list of benefits that God has for me and all of them are good. But how do we get them? How do I actually experience it? That's the question, right? Sounds good, Pastor Dan, but let's make it practical. Number three is this. Jesus is Savior. There is no other way to experience the goodness of God except through a personal relationship with Jesus. Let me say it like this. There's something called the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all that list. You may have felt peace before in your life, but any peace that you've experienced outside of Jesus is counterfeit peace. It is momentary, it's temporary, and it is fleeting. You may have felt love in your life, but any love that you felt outside of a personal relationship with Jesus is counterfeit, it's shallow, and it does not even begin to compare to the depth of God's love for you. You have may have felt happiness in your life, in a season of your life, but if it was not rooted in Jesus, it's temporary and it can be stolen by humans. But the joy of the Lord is our strength and joy is a fruit of the Spirit. God's joy in your life cannot be stolen and it doesn't mean I'm not gonna face hardships or a trial or I'm not gonna uh, you know, uh, face something difficult in my life or, life or lose something in my life. It doesn't mean that, but it does mean that in all of it, I can have joy knowing that my God is still good and that I will have victory on the other end of this. It may not have worked out how I wanted it to work out. It may have looked differently, but God's ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I can have joy that is everlasting not happiness that is fleeting. It's all through Jesus and Jesus alone. Let me show you how this works. How do I receive? We're gonna look at a story from the life of Jesus. I'm gonna show you how he desires to save you and to set you free. Let me give you context before we jump into it. Jesus has just fed 5,000 plus people, upwards really of 10,000 to 15,000 people. He's fed them with one little boy's lunch. Miraculously, it has multiplied. They've handed it. Everyone is full and satisfied. And at this point, you can imagine a crowd of 15,000 people who just had a miraculous meal. There's a little bit of an uproar. There's people ready to hoist Jesus up on their shoulders and declare this guy is king, Messiah. But Jesus knew his time was not yet for that. So he begins to disperse the crowd. One of the things he does is he gets his disciples together and he says, all right, you guys get on the boat, go across the sea, I will meet you there. I'm gonna get rid of the crowd. I'm gonna go alone and pray and refresh myself and my heavenly father. I will meet you on the other side. He sends his disciples on the boat and there they are and they go out and it goes into evening time into the middle of the night and about 3 a.m. between 3 and 6 a.m. a storm comes up. And in this storm, the disciples who are experienced fishermen, they know how to work a boat. Here they are in this storm and the storm is raging and they're panicking because they're just trying to get through and they're fighting against the waves and they're wondering, are we even gonna see Jesus again? Are we even gonna get to tomorrow? I don't know. 
But in this moment, Jesus comes and he's walking on the water. Once again, doing the impossible. He makes it possible. He's walking on the water. Imagine it though, it's 3 a.m. Between 3 and 6, somewhere in there. It's dark. How close did Jesus have to get to the boat for them to even see him? I'm sure there's lightning happening, yes, but he had to be pretty close. He's walking on the water and there's disciples see him and they look out and at first they're afraid. They think it's a ghost. They think they're, they're, they're kind of freaking out and they're wondering what is going on. And Jesus says, hey boys, don't be afraid. It's me. Jesus was their rabbi and as disciples, whatever the rabbi would do, they would do. In fact, they were supposed to follow their rabbi so closely that the dust of their rabbi's sandals would get on their feet, as the saying goes. And so Peter, being a good disciple, he sees Jesus, and Jesus is walking, and Peter says, if it is you, let's pick it up in verse 28, Matthew 14, 28. And Peter answered Jesus, he said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Lord, if it's you, I want to walk on the water too. So Jesus said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Verse 30. But when Peter saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and he began to sink and he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and he caught him. He pulls him up and he said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. If you need freedom today, from sin, from an addiction, from loneliness, from feeling unworthy, from depression, from sickness, from fear. If you need freedom today, can I tell you, it's not hard to receive. I got good news for you. One genuine, wholehearted, even desperate cry for help is answered with an immediate response from our Savior. Do you need freedom today? One cry out for help. And just as Peter was sinking in the water, surrounded in the storm where he thought he might die out here, one cry for help was responded and, and was immediately responded to with a reach from Jesus. Saying, I got you, son. Let me pull you out of there. Let me pull you out of that pit. Let me pull you out of that storm. I've got you. Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and he caught him. But I think so many times we wait until crisis before we ask for help. Don't wait until your life is in destruction, until you're on your deathbed and you've wasted the life that God's given you. Don't wait to cry for help until it's too late. Today's the day of salvation. If I need freedom from a pornography addiction, if I need freedom from a, an illness, if I need freedom from this sin, if I need freedom from this mental thing that I can't get past, the storm that I'm in, you can have it. You've got to call on the name of Jesus, though, and it's only through him that you will find true freedom. It's not a self-help book. It's not tips and tricks to make your marriage work or anything like that. No, this book is alive and active and ready to work in your life. It's the only book that will truly set you free because it is truth, not opinion. Psalm 118.5 says it this way, out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and what did he do? He set me free. God is so good. But what's he doing? He's a gentleman who waits 
for the invitation. He's not gonna kick open your front door and take over your life, but he will wait and stand at the door and knock. And if you will open the door of your heart, say, Jesus, I need help. Lord, save me, just as Peter did. He will come in, immediately he will respond and he will bring you salvation. He will bring you freedom for whatever thing you're doing. He cried for help. There's an immediate response, but then look at the other, the third part is this. Jesus got in the boat and the wind ceased. Don't live your life from crisis to crisis to crisis, crying out for help whenever it really gets tough. Cry out for help, receive Jesus' response, and then welcome him into your boat, which is your life. Only then will the wind and the waves cease. Only then, because you're with Jesus. Does that mean that there will never be another storm? No, in fact, there is another storm. We read through the Gospels, we know that Jesus calms the storm later on. Different story. He calms this storm through his words. But how could he calm the storm and save the disciples' life once again? How could he do it all? He was in the boat. You won't find victory, healing, freedom, or salvation anywhere else unless you have Jesus in your boat, in your life, on a regular basis every day. Then the wind and the waves will cease. And when another storm comes, you can have peace knowing, I got Jesus right here with me. When the other storm came, Jesus was taking a nap. And that's why he's called the Prince of Peace. No matter what spiritual storm you may face or what you might go against, spiritually, you can be at such great peace that you could sleep through it knowing that Jesus is with you. If you need freedom today, if you're in distress, if you're, you need healing, if you have pain, if you have anxiety, if you have fear, if you have depression, if you feel broken or have a broken heart, call upon the name of Jesus and you will be saved. Peter's cry for help, though, was partnered with an act of faith. It's easy to have lip service, but are you willing to put your pride aside and say, I need help? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a second? Heavenly Father, I love you and I thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you that you are a good father. You are good and you do good. Oh, I pray that you would help me find anyone today that needs freedom, that needs you, that is far from you. Holy Spirit, speak to their heart right now. Give them the boldness of Peter to get uncomfortable and respond to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.